Welcome to the City Podcast, a ministry of Ambassadors Church in Pawtucket, Rhode Island. If you'd like more information about our church, visit our website at wearethecity.org. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you are blessed by today's word. It's good to be in church. Are you ready for the word? Come on, let's get it. We're not in a series right now, so uh, this is just kind of like a freebie message that comes in between uh, series, and, and I'm just excited for this word. So if you have your Bibles, if you could open up to Jeremiah chapter 29, Jeremiah chapter 29. How many Old Testament lovers do we have in the house? Three. Absolutely. I love you three. I love the Old Testament. Uh, the Old Testament's just so full of amazing, amazing things. Jeremiah chapter 29. We're going to read one verse only. That's verse number three. Actually, do I have 13? Sorry, not, th- not three, 13. I'm looking at three and I'm like, that does not sound inspiring. Verse number 13 sounds great. Uh, you will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with your whole heart. I'm going to read that again. You will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with your whole heart heart. Let's pray this morning. God, thank you so much for the sun that's shining. Thank you, Lord, for the beautiful church that we get to come to. Father, I thank you for the family of God, that today we are not, uh, we are not dead, but we are alive. We are not uh, in despair, but we have been given hope. And so, Lord, I pray that your word would come fresh to each person that is here this morning. I pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, that it would be like a seed planted in fertile soil and that it would cause a harvest that would remain for a generation to come. We ask it all in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Turn to your neighbor and just say, this is about to be a great word. I'm fully convinced of this, fully convinced uh, that social media is listening to us. It's got to be listening to us. Have, have you ever noticed you can, I mean, Facebook, Instagram, I'm not on Snapchat. I don't, does Snapchat have ads? Yeah. All right. So I don't know about Snapchat, but I know Facebook and Instagram. They are listening to what we say. You can, you can talk about one thing once, one thing, and there, there will be an advertisement that same day for that same item that you were talking about. You can, I'll take it up a level. You can think about an item, not tell a soul. You cannot peep a word to one person. And social media, Facebook, Instagram, they will know what you are thinking about. And it will come up on a Facebook advertisement or an Instagram advertisement today. If you Google something, forget it. You're seeing an ad for that for the rest of your life. I mean, I'm telling you, like, they, they just know where we are. They know what we're doing. They know what we're thinking. Has anybody ever been creeped out by Facebook advertisement or Instagram advertisement or any of that? I mean, my mom bought luggage, luggage to gift to my mother-in-law. This is the, this is the scenario. My mother, right here, bought luggage, floral luggage, f- flowered luggage for my mother-in-law. I had nothing to do with the transaction. I was not present at the store. I did not know the luggage was purchased. I did not know the luggage was given. I was not there. I saw a photo of the luggage on my mother's phone after the fact. I hop on Facebook that same day, scroll once. There is 
not just luggage. The same floral luggage that she bought from my mother. Folks, this is weird. My mother bought another gift. My mom's a gift giver. This is her love language that she speaks. She bought a Super Mario Brothers t-shirt for Joshua, our nephew. I had nothing to do with the transaction. I was not present. I do not buy many children's clothes. I'm not involved in these matters yet. And she gives the gift. I hear that she gave a Super Mario Brothers t-shirt to him. I scroll once. There is the exact Super Mario t-shirt. I, I mean, it's insane. I was talking to Pastor Manny Arango once. He came to speak at City Boston. I picked him up at the airport. We were in the line for the rental car. I mean, it was uh, just a conversation we were having about stand-up desks. Anybody know stand-up desks? It's a thing apparently now where people like to work standing up. I don't get it, but whatever. Millennials and new people. And uh, I like sitting, personally. Um, if I, yeah. So, so anyway... We're talking about the, it's called Varadesk or Varadesk or something like that. It's an expensive stand-up desk. I kid you not, that same day, he gets an ad and I get an ad for the Varadesk. It's insane, y'all, that they are, and so I've Googled, I've researched, are they listening to us? And Facebook swears by this, that they are not listening to us. And I'm like, you guys are lying. Apparently, there are algorithms that can predict what you would like to purchase. The same floral luggage, Super Mario Brothers t-shirt for a seven-year-old, nobody would ever predict that I would buy. I don't even have children. There, there, there's, no, there's no prediction of that. The same stand-up desk, it's insane, guys. That, like, I'm telling you, we need to start, I don't know, man. Are they watching us through the cameras? Is Alexa listening to us? I don't, I don't know what's going on, but I, are they? Sam, tell us. They are? Uh, man, the cameras, Alexa is? Alexa's listening to us. You got to turn it off? I don't know, man. It's just crazy. Back in the day, these problems... Back in the day, these problems did not exist. Advertisements are nuts. And so they are... They are but have you, ever, have you ever just noticed that whatever you're seeking, you're going to find? Look, I'm not a coder. I'm not a programmer. I don't understand the least bit about any of it. Algorithms. I'm like, I'll go what? Like, I, I don't know anything of that nature. I'm not, I'm not into it. I can, I can, I can operate slowly around, I can get computers, I can do well, but I'm not like a techie. I'm not, I'm not breaking down stuff and trying to put it back. That's not me. But one, I'm a, I'm a Bible person. And one thing I do understand is that the same principle of this whole Facebook advertisement, it's the same, it's kind of like a biblical principle of sowing and reaping, where you put in something and you're gonna get something out of it. And so, so I think that in, along that same line of sowing and reaping comes this word to us in Jeremiah chapter 29. Now, people love Jeremiah 29. I mean, that's the chapter where uh, everybody gets their calendar from. That's the, that's the book, that's the chapter where everybody gets their, their, their mugs from. Jeremiah 29, verse 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. I mean, every bumper sticker, you walk into the Christian bookstore, it is plastered on everything. T-shirts and mugs and, and every like, Christian subculture just has that verse on everything. But two verses after that, there's a powerful verse that I think we need to unpack is this, is that when we seek God, we will find God. 
Shane Lima version of that same verse would say, when you look for God in everything, you will find God in everything. Do you believe that? Look, I believe that God is speaking to us way more frequently than we would even take time to understand. I, I really think God loves showing us signs of his presence. I think, I think God is everywhere. Because if you are an omnipotent, omniscient, omni all of it God, if you are in it, created it, you are through it, you are for it, you are above it and beyond it, then I think God exists way beyond an hour and a half service on a Sunday morning. I can't compartmentalize God to a 30-minute sermon and three-song worship set and say that that's when God speaks. I, I really think that when you are seeking God, you're going to find God at your desk cubicle. I really think if you're seeking God, you're going to see God in nature. I really think if you're looking to find the presence of God, you're going to feel him walking around the block of your neighborhood. Because you will seek and you will find that which you seek. Have you ever tried to buy a car, thought about buying a car, considered buying a car? You have a specific model of that car in mind. All of a sudden, what do you see on all the avenues, parkways, highways, boulevards, all the avenues, all the ways, all the, all the, all the streets, all the stuff. All you see is that car. You've never seen the car before. Matter of fact, you wanted to buy it because you never see it. You're out here trying to be different, unique. Now, that's the only car you see in the color that you want it. Tyler has a lime green car. And after Tyler bought a lime green car, guess what I started seeing everywhere? Lime green Kias. Never seen it before before Tyler bought one. Once Tyler bought one, it was on the forefront of my mind because I thought, that's such a cool car, such a cool color. Now it's everywhere. I don't get it, but it proves the Bible. That you will find what you're looking for. Because when your eyes are peeled to see what you want to see, guess what you're going to see? It. That which you're looking for. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're going to see it. Turn to your other neighbor and say, you're going to see it. So folks, God gave me a couple things that we're going to look for and that we're going to start finding. Are you, ready to, are you ready to play a spiritual game, an eternal game of hide and seek? Any hide and seek fans from your childhood? That was like, that's church kid games. You hide in the choir robes. You hide in the ladies' bathroom stall in, in Smithfield Avenue because there were no lights 90% of the time. Uh, I mean, like, hide and seek is the church game to play. And so this morning, we're going to play less of the hiding and we're going to play more of the seeking because I believe that when we seek these things, we're going to find these things. Number one is that when you are looking for reasons to worship, you will find reasons to worship. If your worship is dependent upon who's leading worship on a Sunday morning, that's not worship. This is going to be a good word. Uh, When you're looking for reasons to worship, you're going to find reasons to worship. If your worship is dependent upon what three random Christian songs were chosen, that proves that you don't live a lifestyle of worship. 
This is a hard word. I know, it's not that encouraging for 9.55. Too early for this, but I don't have any other slot of time today. Y'all are gonna leave, you're gonna have lunch, you're gonna go out with your family, and you're not gonna even, but, but I need to remind you at 9.55 that when you want to find reasons to worship, you're not gonna depend upon any worship team to cheerlead you into the presence. You're not gonna depend on any three-song set. They could sing Mary Had a Little Lamb, the ABCs, and E-I-E-I-O, and you'd be like, praise the name of the Lord Jesus Christ because he's worthy. Because petty worship is self-worship. It's a good word, man. As I was typing this, I'm like, Holy Spirit, don't you want to go easy right before Easter? And he was like, no. <laughs> when you want to find reasons to worship, you're going to find reasons to worship. And guess what? When you don't want to find reasons to worship, guess what you're going to have? A miserable worship service. You're going to be like, I don't like this. I'm tired of this church. And you're going to, and you're going to go through the whole, you're going to go through the whole song and dance of why you're not feeling it. Yes. This song again, they've been singing about my life since. And, and you know what? We're going to keep singing about my life until you build your life on something else other than your feelings. Yes. What do you think this is? When you want to find reasons to worship. You're going to find reasons to worship. And when you don't, you won't. And worship's going to be boiled down to singing for you until you get this idea that worship is not this screen singing. It's not Christian karaoke. If worship for you is Christian karaoke, you're missing out on the presence. You're missing out on losing yourself in God's and you may be like, I don't really feel comfortable doing this. All right, then start here. And, and you're going to see your worship's going to go to a whole new level when you make your body go first. Make your body go first. Because your spirit is going to follow where your body is. Right? It's hard to feel anointed when you're like this. It's hard. Throw up your arms. Oh, man, you just opened up your whole body language to what's happening. This is a real practical tip, y'all. You want to you wanna start taking your worship to the next level? Change your body language. Amen. If we're looking, are you guys okay with staying on this point a little longer? If, if we're going to look like we're just getting through the songs, I can't wait till they're done so I can sit. You've been sitting at your desk job all week. Certainly you can stand for 30 minutes and sing to the God who knew you before you were formed in your mother's womb, who loved you enough to send his only son so that you would have life. We can't stand for 30 minutes and raise our hands for the guy, for the God who stretched out his hands for your sake. Come on now. When you want to find reasons to worship, you're going to find reasons to worship. It's a good word. Holy Spirit, don't you want to go wheezy before Palm Sunday? No. Number two, when you're looking for time to pray, you're going to find time to pray. Don't got time. Don't got time. Real busy. Real busy. And so we start using, I don't have kids yet. I can't go there. But I'm going to go there because the Holy Spirit wants me to go there. If you're using your kids as an excuse for your spiritual mediocrity, you're missing the point of kids. Because you got to be praying with your kids. I can't pray because I got kids. If I could be that mind-blown emoji right now, I would. Because the point of prayer 
as a parent is that you are praying with your kids. Man, when, my, when I was under my parents' roof and there was 6 a.m. devotionals in the kitchen. Yes, yeah, was it 6 o'clock? 7, okay, a little bit better, but still early. And uh, it felt like 3 a.m. And, 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 and I was in high school. I mean, all the way up, all the way up, we were doing devotionals in the morning. Because you know what? I always knew this is what we do. We pray. We pray. And when you need to find time to pray, you're going to find time. We find time for everything. Man, I know Shane Lima. When Shane Lima wants something, Shane Lima will find time to do that thing. If I want tacos, you can't hold me back from finding the best tacos. If If I want a buffet, I will find the buffet. I will make time for the buffet. I will be at the buffet. All of my analogies have to do with food because I love food. And, and, and But this is the thing. When you have an appetite for prayer, you're going to find time to start praying. Don't got time. I got, I got work. I got bills to pay. I got kids here. I got this to do. I got laundry to do. I, man, you got to pray while you're doing the laundry. You got to be pray while you're at the stove. You got to pray while you're at work. You got to pray in the cubicle. You got to pray in the traffic, Boston people, because it's getting crazy out there. You, got, you just got two extra hours of prayer time, Boston. Uh, like they're, they're, and, and it's just crazy. Two extra hours of prayer time. They're doing the Tobin Bridge for the next two years. For two years, you're going to pray for an extra two hours, and you're going to see that in 2021, you are going to not be the same person that you were today. Because when you want to find time to pray, you're going to pray. One of my my dudes, C.S. Lewis, not one of my dudes. I don't know him. He's already passed. But one of the men of Christianity said, I would rather pray sitting down in a chair than kneel because he he was uncomfortable kneeling. And I'm like, you know what, C.S. Lewis, you're right. Sometimes I'm on my knees and I'm like, I can't wait till I'm off my knees. And, and, but if I can sit down and I can talk to Jesus, I will sit there and I will talk to him. If you need to change your position to pray, change it. You know how I pray best? Like this. Walking. Walking all around. Sometimes I'm here at the church in the middle of the week, just walking around this sanctuary like I have mad stuff to do. And I'm just talking to the Holy Spirit because you know what? I know me. And I know that if I stop here and I start being like, Lord Jesus, I'm going to think, Lord Jesus, I can't wait till I can get to Tacos Don Nacho on the corner. And, and because there's distraction. So what I do to distract myself is I move my legs and I walk and I can talk to Jesus and I can shout and I can, and I can scream and I can sweat and I can pray and I can feel God. Because you know what? When you want to find time to pray, you're going to find time to pray. And when you don't want to find time to pray, guess what you're not going to find time? to pray. Tell your neighbor, find time. Is this word for anybody this morning? When you're looking for reasons to encourage people, you're going to find reasons to encourage people. Because God knows this, that when you want to find reasons to criticize people, you're going to find a thousand reasons to criticize people. What they smell like, what they look like, what they look, what they said, the way they looked at you. But when you're looking for things to point out to bless you're going to find reasons to bless people. This is just practical Christian living, y'all, because we need this because human tendency is to point out the defect. Someone can be looking on point, top to bottom. They got one zit right here. What do you notice? The zit right here. What do you point out? The zit right here. I'm only pointing out that because I have a tendency to get zits right here. If I have one, y'all, you don't need to point it out. I knew it was there before you did. (laughs) Felt it two weeks ago. You only feel it coming. It's just coming up in the ranks of your skin. You're like, be reprimanded. Uh, but when you want to find reasons to bless, man, I want to be a church 
And I want to be part of a church and the pastor of a church that is professionals at blessing people. Yo, we will point out the sweater. We will point out the haircut. We will point out the glow. We will point out the, 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 the whatever. We'll point it out because when you bless people, and I'm talking more than superficial too. I'm saying start identifying gifts on people. Saying you have such a, you have such a spirit of joy on you. Start identifying that kind of stuff. Instead of just being like nice skirt, start talking about like nice, nice spirit. Man, I, I enjoyed seeing you worship. There are some people that I just love to watch worship. They bless me when they worship. And if you think that, say it. One of my favorite sermons that Alini preaches is this. It's in the airport. There's signs that say, if you see something, say something. Which means, like, if you see a bomb, say there's a bomb. Or if, if you see something shady, it's probably shady, so say it. But I think in the church, we need signs that say, if you see it, say it. And I'm not talking about bombs. I'm talking about, I'm talking about good traits. You see, you see a spirit of joy, you say it. You, you see I think we are so quick. Yeah, oh, let's applaud that because that's a good word. We are so quick to loosen our lips for stuff that goes nowhere. And yet we will think praises about people. We will think, man, they are awesome. And we will never tell them. What is up with that? We will be quick to have a little chitter-chatter at cafe about who said what. And I, I, don't, I don't really go to cafe much, so I, I'm not subtweeting anybody. But, but, then, but then we will be so slow. To give praise. Man, encouragement goes a long way. And when you want to find reasons to encourage, you're going to find reasons to encourage. So I want you to go ahead and put that into practice. First altar call of the day. And I want you to turn to your neighbor. And I just want you to encourage them. And maybe that just looks like you look great. Or maybe I just love you. Or maybe, come on, y'all. There's 200 people in the room. A little bit more noisy than that. My job is the easiest this morning. Because I get to pastor the most beautiful church. Voted this year, 2019, the most beautiful church of the eastern seaboard. And I am grateful for that. Oh, the greatest. Telling you, this is the best place to preach in the world. It's right here. So, man, y'all are a great church. But find reasons to bless people. Number four is when you're looking for reasons to be grateful, you're going to find reasons to be grateful. Because when you're looking for reasons to complain, guess what you're going to find? Reasons to complain. But when you're going to switch that complaint into gratitude, it's going to change your life. Man, Leslie started off worship this morning by saying that that the breath that's in our lungs is already reason enough for us to give God praise. The fact that God breathed his breath into Adam and Eve, and still we are here thousands of years later, still breathing the breath of God. I mean, it's on the inside of us. That is reason enough for us to give God praise. The fact that we woke up this morning, the fact that the sun is shining and we have a church that we can belong to, the fact that we, have, we, we go to a church that's, that gives free coffee between services, the fact that we are part of an amazing body of believers. I was talking to the worship team right before service. I said, I am so grateful that I wake up on a Sunday morning and I look forward to coming to the house of God because, man, this is not a drag. This is not a task. This is not an obligation. I love the people I get to do ministry with. I love the house of God. I look forward to Sunday morning. I really believe that it's the best day of the week. The best hour of the week is 9 o'clock and 11.15. I really believe that the Lord is doing something special in this place. And when you start thinking about all that God has done, all that you still have to get really means nothing because of all that God has already done. Are there any grateful people in the house this morning? Because you're just grateful for all that God has done. Yo, we're alive. We go to a multicultural church. 
with people that don't look like us. Right? Isn't that beautiful? Yo, that's amazing. The fact that we, we have church in Pawtucket and people are like, can anything good come out of Pawtucket? And we're like, yes, more than the Pawsox and more than Hasbro Toy Company. There is a house of healing right at Barton Street. Yo, I'm grateful. Man, because when you want to find reasons to complain, have you noticed how we start complaining? And we're like, oh, this is such a drag, and this is so tiring, and this is so annoying, and I'm so bored, and I'm so... Bored was not allowed growing up in my household, because if we were bored, they would find reasons for us not to be bored. So you just got to keep busy. Like... And we just start going through all the things that we still need God to do. And we're so, uh, and we're so, and and so eventually your lifestyle looks like that. Just complaints. Just complaints. Can we turn complaints into compliments? And we can, can we start turning like all of our, all of our grievances into gratitude? Man, that's a good word. And can we just start saying to God, man, I'm so grateful for all that you have done. Because gratitude is going to show itself on your face. It's hard to be upset and be grateful. It starts showing. You start getting a smile just thinking about all that God has done. Man, are you grateful for your neighbor this morning that's sitting next to you? You better. For you married folks, you better. You're engaged people, you better. Better start now. For you single people, you better. There's, you can be grateful and be single. Right? I don't, I don't believe in that whole church pressure of you got to get married. You know what I mean? Some people are gonna, some people are gonna be single, and that's all right. Be grateful for where you're at, and I think gratitude in your current season sets you up for the next, whatever that looks like. Just be grateful, man. I'm grateful this morning that I get to come to the best church in the world. Like God, you tap me on the shoulder to preach to these amazing people at nine o'clock in the morning every single week. God, I'm grateful. You hook me up with the most beautiful woman in all of the world. I'm grateful, right? Man, I'm grateful. You called my grandfather way back in the 1940s, 30s, 20s, something like that. And they said yes, and my grandma said yes, and my parents said yes, and his parents said yes, and I'm sure his parents' parents' parents said yes, and his parents' parents were Adam and Eve, and then like all of them said yes, and today I can stand here and I, can be, and I can be part of a legacy, and I don't have kids yet, but I can prophesy and foresee that they are going to say yes, and they're going to be right here on this same platform and lead God's church, and man, that I serve a generational God, and how dare I complain about anything when God has been so good to me. Man, that'll change your life. When you're looking for reasons to be grateful, you're going to find reasons to be grateful. When you're looking for reasons to come to church, You're going to find reasons to come to church. You know I had to go there. Because when you're looking for reasons to not come, guess what? Your stomach hurts. Your head starts hurting. Your back hurts. Your toe hurts. Your your, your ear hurts. Have you noticed when you're looking for a reason? Let's let's just, let's, let's take the pressure off the people right now. When you're looking for a reason to call out of work, what do you find? You find a reason to call out of work. One time, I remember, I was hanging out. This was in high school. And I've always been kind of like, 
introvertedly extroverted, kind of like living in the continuum of both. And I remember in high school, there was this kid that I went to high school with that wanted to hang out on like an off day of school. It was like a Saturday. And I was looking for reasons to not go to this hangout. You know when you just want to say no, but, but you just don't want to just say no. And so I started finding reasons. And, and it just so happened that we didn't have hot water at my house that day. And, uh, and I don't know if you guys remember this or not. I probably didn't tell you. And, uh, and I just told the kid, I'm like, oh, we don't have hot water, so I can't hang out. Most wild excuse for why I couldn't hang out. <laughs> because when you want to find reasons to not hang out, you're going to find reasons. And I found the pettiest reason of why I couldn't hang out. And he's like, that, that makes no sense. Why don't you just come? And I said, I don't have hot water, so I can't. And, um, and I think sometimes we do that with the house of God a little bit, is that we start looking for reasons why we shouldn't. And that's why I say almost maybe 75% of Sundays that you're here, I say this, we don't have to, we get to, because that changes the script on why we show up. You don't have to. You get to. God is here waiting for us. He's deposited a word in your spiritual leadership to give to you. You're part of a beautiful community where we can worship God corporately and leave better off. Why would you not want to come? I get I get the fact that there are some legalistic places out there that don't make you feel good. I get that there are some places that you're like, yep, I'm never coming back. This is not one of them. This is a place where you walk in and you're like, if they had a bedroom here, I would move in. Matter of fact, is there any spare Sunday school room that I can set up my apartment? That's the way I feel when I walk in. I pretty much live here at this point anyway, but, but, but if I could set up a bedroom in the house of God, I would because I love it that much. Granted, we don't have a stove downstairs, but, but other than the functional kitchen, there is, there's a thing here that I want to be a part of. And I pray that we can have a culture in our church where people walk in those double doors out there and they say, this is home. I never want to leave. Can you say amen to that? When you're looking for reasons to come, you'll find reasons to come. I'm almost done. When you're looking for reasons to forgive, you will find a reason to forgive. Notice I didn't say reasons. Because the singular reason you have to forgive other people is the fact that you too have been forgiven. When you're looking for a reason to forgive, you will find one reason to forgive. And that is the fact that God has forgiven you. Lastly, I'm going to end here. It's when you're looking for ways to serve you will find ways to serve. Service does not look like you being recruited. It doesn't even look like you being asked. A culture of service means you see the need and you meet it. Whether there's an established ministry for that or not, we're called to service. That means if there's a brother in the room, a sister in the room who has a need and you have the ability to meet that need, meet it. Without the need of recognition, just meet it. If there's something in the church that looks like it needs to be done, do it. Because that's what it means to be part of the family of God. You don't need to be asked. You don't need to be told. You have the freedom to serve. Man, what I see, I, I was doing some calculations last couple weeks ago. Every Sunday, between worship, ushers, greeters, finance team, Sunday school teachers, cafe team, 
um, everybody that serves. We have about 50, 50 people every Sunday that are scheduled to serve every weekend here on Sunday morning. That's not including city Boston. So that's like another 15, 20 people. So let's say, let's say about 70 people every single weekend are serving at one of our three services. I think that number officially needs to go up to beyond 100 people. I'm talking over 100 people that are serving in a specific area of ministry every single Sunday. Because on a given weekend between City Boston, 9 a.m., 11 a.m., we're seeing about 400 people, give or take, every Sunday. So we should be seeing at least a quarter, at least 25%. And once we get to 25, guess what sermon I'm going to preach? Let's get up to 50%. And once we get to 50, you already got it. Because if we're talking about service, that's going to look like you pouring coffee downstairs at cafe. It's going to look like maybe you picking up. This week, there was like two dead birds in the parking lot. And I was like, what is going on? It looks like you seeing those and picking those up. It looks like you picking up the tissues. It looks like you going into the nursery and cleaning out the changing table diaper bag. It looks like you standing at the door at 8.30 on a Sunday morning so that you can hug people as they come in. It looks like you coming on a Tuesday night, which is starting to become like the busiest night of the church week. So much going on. It looks like you coming on a Tuesday and rehearsing until you're so tired that you can't wait to get home. Shout out to the worship team. It looks like you driving up on a Friday night in Boston traffic to set up at a little white church on the corner of Davis Square so that people would know who Jesus is. Sometimes service doesn't look flattering. And sometimes you won't get a thank you card. But we serve because Christ came not to be served, but to serve. So there's no task below us or above us. We're called to service. And when you're looking for ways to serve, you're going to find ways to serve. When you seek, you'll find. Jesus came seeking something. Better, he came seeking someone. He came seeking you. And when he was seeking you, what he found was a cross. Because the only way to get to you would be through the cross. But Jesus said, if I want them then I'm willing to die for them. Because without his death, we wouldn't have life. So when you seek, you find. We didn't find Jesus. We were the dead ones. We were the lost ones. We were the condemned ones. We were the ones destined to hell itself but Jesus said I want him I want her I want you and so he found us we didn't find him he found me and in order to find me he had to go through the cross and he had to go through suffering and pain and death and torment he had to suffer accusation and pain He had to die 
he had to be buried so that he could rise again so that one day we could be able to confess that he is Lord. And now the same power that rose him from the dead lives on the inside of us. And so we have now the power of life, which is the power of Jesus. And so if he came to find lost people and the power that was in him is now in us, now the power to find lost people is in us so that we will now seek and find lost souls. You see the cycle? We were lost. He found us. He put the power in us. Now we find lost people. And that's what the kingdom of God is. The kingdom of God is not church attendance. And the kingdom of God is not you showing up. The kingdom of God is the power of Jesus living on the inside of you. And you being the hands and the feet of Jesus to a world that needs new life in the middle of dire bones. You see, you will always seek and find every time. So this morning, my prayer for our church, my prayer for our church is that there would be a culture of seeking the lost and bringing them unto full salvation in Christ. You see, if we're going to shape the culture of a church, the vibe of a church, the DNA of a church, you can't start with what we do. You have to start with who we are. And who we are is lost people that were found. Who we are is people that were dead and have been brought back to life. And if we now will take upon our shoulders the mantle of finding lost people, the growth of this house will not just be transfers from other houses of worship. The growth that we will experience is lost people who know Jesus for the very first time. Because there's enough lost people for every church to find some. So the unchurched, the dechurched, the ones who are far away from God can find a place right here to call a home. Church, I want you to find people. I want you to find people. I don't want you to come here seeking something for you anymore because you've sat through enough sermons already. You've been to enough Bible studies. You've been to enough retreats. You've had enough words given to you. Now's the time for the seeking. And the finding of the lost. Because that is the heartbeat of God. That is the DNA of God. It's the DNA and the culture of finding lost people. Could you stand with me this morning? I want to pray for you.